0: Thing into the bottomless pit, to never ever do that again, ever. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, I am not Pastor Darrell. I have much darker hair, <laughs> even though I'm older. He uh, he was here last evening and uh, went home and is not feeling well this morning, and uh, I want to pray for him. Um, also, I just got word that Lori Ellman is uh, potentially facing some surgery. She has some infections in her legs and they're thinking they may have to go in and take those, literally take the infection out. So I want to pray for her. And the Lord has just very, very strongly led me this morning to pray a special prayer for those of you that are facing job issues. You, have, you either have, you need a job, And I want you to stand up. Or there's an uncertainty about your job. I want you to stand up. Um, Or there's just a challenge at work and you need God to help intervene. Um, If any of the church staff stand up, you're in big trouble, but no, I'm kidding. Um, I want you to stand up with me and agree with me in prayer. I just, this is... This is so rich and solid and, and definite in my heart. This is a week that's going to, things are going to happen. I just believe it. Father, in the name that is above every name, we stand before you this morning. First of all, I pray a healing anointing on Pastor Darrell. Father, may this be the last time he is ever sick the rest of his life. Father, he has, he has a work to do. He has ministry to perform. He has lives to transform. And so, Father, I ask you to go even now and touch him. May tomorrow he awake strong and healthy and empowered to be the man of God you have made him to be. Father, I pray right now for L'Oreal, but I ask God that you, by your spirit, would just fill her hospital room. Lord, I pray I curse the infection that's in her body. We curse it at its root and command it to be gone in Jesus' name without surgery. That, Lord, your name would be glorified. I thank you, Lord, that you have touched others that were in the hospital. I thank you, God, that Jim Hammond's Lord is is recovering well. And, Father, he's going to be doing just fine. And I thank you for that. And, Father, now I ask you by your Holy Spirit... To move in the lives of these, my brothers and sisters, that have stood in faith, believing that a miracle is coming their way. Provision like they've never known it. Stability in the workplace. I don't care what the news says, I don't care what the economy is, I don't care. Because, God, we don't work for them, we work for you. You are our provider. You are our provision. You can make water come out of rocks. Father, you can, you can get money out of fish mouths. Yes. Father, you're amazing. And so, Father, thank you that your anointing is upon my brothers and sisters. An anointing of provision, I pray upon each of them this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that next week, next Sunday, praise reports will come back. Amazing praise reports will come back, and I pray it in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. 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 I I have really been enjoying the uh, men's study with uh, Wild at Heart. And that's probably what's happening. I'm just getting sick and tired of seeing the enemy do stupid things, and so um, I'm I'm getting ready to fight. I'm just tired of it. I'm, you know, no, I'm enough. Enough is enough. And uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew, chapter five. Uh, needless to say, I have not spent weeks preparing this message. Basically, it's been a couple of hours. But it's amazing. As soon as... Last night I received a text message from Pastor Darrell. And it was almost even before I'd finished reading it and I'd put the phone down that the Lord had you know, said, here's what I want you to talk about. And I said, well, okay, you're the boss. Very smart, never to argue or get weird with God. Just do what he says. And uh, before we get started in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at the Beatitudes. I'm going to share with you some lessons. My introduction is the Beatitudes, and then I have four points um, regarding the last part of the Beatitudes. So it's a little, little different than normal, but Uh, Again, it's just what God has laid on my heart. But before I do that, I want to... uh, This is for all of my Irish brothers and sisters. Um, Just sit back and listen for a
1: minute, all right? See if I can do this. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty... I do not know just why he came to love me so. He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the place where Jesus died for me. How marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my faults and saw my need.
0: Happy St. Patrick's Day. Matthew chapter 5 are the Beatitudes, it's a Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus lists here a variety of blesseds. and the last series, verse 10, I'm going to read the rest of them, but I want to read 10 first. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I entitled this message, Blessed, Really? Blessed, Really? And I want to show you how that's true. It is true. Back in the early 1980s, I uh, was listening to a preacher on the radio, and he shared this story. There was a pastor, a Christian pastor in Russia, who had been arrested by the Russian uh, police, and he was being transported to a, uh, to a prison facility somewhere in the Siberian Uh, area and he was being taken by helicopter and some of the soldiers or police in the helicopter thought you know what this is really we don't want to fly all the way over there and then all the way back we'll just get rid of this guy now they opened the door of the helicopter and pushed the pastor out of the helicopter and turned around and just went back to where they came from needless to say the pastor (laughs) fell through the air and landed on the ground did not die, just broke a leg. And so he laid there, injured, and all of a sudden, a large bear came towards him. So here he is. Talk about having a lucky day, right? <laughs> okay, you're not going to prison. We're just going to throw you out of the helicopter. So he, he, this bear comes towards him, and the pastor basically, at this point, probably is praying, Lord, I'm coming home, thank you, it's been a great life, see you soon, and so on. But instead, this bear picks up the pastor and carries him to the bear's cave and places, and lays him down there very gently. The bear disappears. He comes back a little while later with sandwiches, And he feeds the, the pastor, you know, eats the sandwiches. And, and then, you know, it's night. The bear lays down next to the pastor to make sure that he's warm. Covers him up and keeps him warm. And this goes on now for several weeks. As the pastor's leg mends enough so that he's able to get up and kind of hobble his way out of that wilderness area. And so, every, about every day... The bear disappears. Comes back with food. Eventually, the pastor is able is well enough, and he and he and he starts walking to try to find his way out of this area. And he comes across. He gets into the woods, and he finds a uh, a lumber camp. There's men there that have been you know working. They work on the trees, et cetera. A lumber camp, and so he walks in. and He goes. Uh, You know, i got to tell you this amazing story. Yeah, the police, you know, threw me out of a helicopter. I broke my leg. This bear shows up and starts taking care of me. And they go, you know what? That's the funniest thing you mentioned that. We've had a bear that's been coming and stealing food here now these last three or four weeks. It's unbelievable. (laughs) The pastor ultimately makes his way back to his church and his people, and they're absolutely amazed. And You see, how many of you realize God can make a way... When there seems to be no way. And some of you are probably going, Pastor Fred, that is the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. Have you ever read the Bible? The Bible is full of ridiculous stories. How could that happen? Who cares how it could happen? If God could make a donkey talk, he could probably make a bear take care of a pastor. I mean, I wouldn't go into the woods and try to press the issue. <laughs> go hunting and well, I sure hope this bear's a Christian bear. <laughs> don't take that chance. There is a story about that, but I don't have time. Um, I want you to, to take a look with, with me at these Beatitudes. Verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That verse deals with salvation. Because before you were saved, you were poor in spirit. You lacked something. You lacked eternal life. You lacked salvation. Jesus is basically, and I want you to see this, he's basically going to set forth the, plan, the entire Christian life in these beatitudes. If you recognize the fact that you are poor in spirit, and if you are here today... Well, you obviously are here today. I don't know why we say that. If you're here today, well, obviously you're here. Um, since you are here today, if you don't know Christ, you are poor in spirit. You're missing something. There is more to life. You can't, you're not going to make it through this life without Christ. Not in the way that God has designed you to make it. He wants you alive spiritually. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For what? For the reward is the kingdom of heaven. If you will understand your need for Christ, you will not be turned away. No one ever is. Number two, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is repentance. Once you recognize that you need salvation, the next step is to repent. Change your mind. Change your direction. Repent. Mourn over the fact that you have wasted your life. Unless you're coming to Christ at the age of five, your life is, you, you've been wasting time, not living for Christ. And so we mourn, we, we repent, and we, we ask God to forgive us because we have been foolish and we've not been doing things the right, the right way. And what does he say there? That if I mourn, if I repent, what happens? I will be comforted. The Holy Spirit will come and encourage you and comfort you, guaranteed. Number three: Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The meek. Now meekness is not weakness. Meekness is humility. It's power under control. I think I may have shared this story before, but there's a in the uh, in in Roman culture they would. It's, there's a word that's called meeking a horse. To meek a horse, to bring that horse under control so that the owner and the trainer of that horse is able to control that horse totally. And when that horse has been brought to that place, it's they say it's been meeked. And they do that, they test it by placing fire underneath the horse. Not a, I mean, not a roaring fire, but just a small amount of fire. Horses hate fire. They're very afraid of it. But just a small amount of fire is placed under the, in the mid, underneath the center of that horse and then the horse is told to hold that position until the owner or trainer says, move. If that horse will listen to that instruction, it's been meeked. It's power under control. Once I've accepted Christ, once I acknowledge the fact that I am lost and I repent and I mourn over my sin and I accept Christ and I have the comfort of the Holy Spirit now, then the next step God uses in that is he, he humbles me and He meeks me and He brings me under His control. I am no longer under my own control. I am under God's control. He meeks us. And it says that then we inherit the earth because now you can become a powerful instrument in the hand of God. Amen? It's not your agenda anymore, it's His. You have been meeked by the power of God. And now the earth becomes your mission field. How else would a missionary leave the comforts of America and go to God knows where? Well, God does know where. But he goes there and sets up residence and, and gives his life in many, time, in many cases. That happens because that individual has been meeked by the power of God. They are now power under control. God's control. I love... I'm, I'm getting excited. I don't know about you. <laughs> then, it, then he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is the word of God. I love new Christians because they just want to read the Bible. Why? Because in their life... It's brand new. Amen? How many of you have read the Bible through once or twice? Well, then you should be good, right? You're done, right? Yeah, I'm going to wait till God creates a new book. Give me something new, God. I've read this. I haven't even seen the movie. Well, pieces of it. No, you see, the Word of God is like Water. It talks about being water. It's refreshing. Okay, I just had a drink of water, so I'm pretty much done now. I don't need any more water, right? Until next Sunday, I'll have another drink of water. I'll be dead. Then don't tell me that spiritually all I need is, you know, if I, you know, once a Sunday, you know, I can't make it every Sunday, but, you know, maybe once or twice a month, you know, there are people out there that are so strong spiritually and so filled with the power of God, they only have to come to church on Christmas and Easter. I mean, they don't want to overdo this. No, if you're, I mean, to, to, to remain healthy. The body is designed that when it wants water or it needs food, it will let you know that. Your spiritual man is the same way. He hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Well, where are you going to find that? Well, I watch the news. What? You are filled, your hunger and thirst for righteousness is taken care of by watching the news? What land are you visiting from? There is no righteousness there. Well, I, you know, I, I got this special channel and I watch what's going on in the Senate and the, and the House of Representatives and that's where I get my fill. You're a sick person. <laughs> hunger and thirst for righteousness. The word of God now becomes who you are. And Jesus said, if you'll hunger and thirst, I will make sure that you are filled. You will be filled. The next one. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You see, the more of God's word that you get into your life, the more merciful you will become. Because you will realize how much mercy you have received. You will begin to understand, and your compassion for the lost will begin to grow. And your compassion for the church will begin to grow. And you'll become much more merciful. If you've had road rage issues, you read you read your Bible in the morning, and get in your car. If you still have road rage, you need a bigger Bible. (laughs) You're not reading enough of it. Merciful, you will let. I've 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 had this crazy picture in my head at times. You know the reason that it's going to take an eternity for us when we get to heaven is because we're all going to stand outside and go, no, you go ahead. No, you go first. No, really, you. No, I don't want to go first. You go first. No, really, you go first. We're going to be so gracious. Nobody's ever going in. Nobody's going to stand there. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. And then some, oh, fine, I'll go ahead. Ah, see, I knew there was pride. See, I knew there Whatever. Merciful. Merciful compassionate for others. There's a very powerful verse in Scripture where Jesus says, If you will not forgive one another, your Father who art in heaven will not forgive you. This is a great promise here, though. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you need mercy in an issue, find somebody that you can be merciful to. It will start the ball rolling. Mercy. Verse 8. Blessed are the pured heart, for they will see God. Unselfish motives begin to take over in the life of a Christian as they go through this process. This is a, are you seeing this? Does this make sense? Do you see how this flows out of this passage of Scripture? It's Jesus really letting us know how the process works and, and how we develop And as we become merciful, all of a sudden now our motives become pure and our heart becomes pure. And he tells us that blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The pure in heart. I started out poor in spirit. Now I have a pure heart. The process has been taking place. My motives are pure. I come to church not to be ministered to. That's going to happen, but to minister. I come to give. I come to share. I come to pray. I come to worship. I come with a pure motive. There were times years ago, I have a feeling, maybe it's still true today, where people would come to church and, you know, they'd get on their nicest clothes and they'd show up and it became a social connection opportunity. They would, you know, it would be a time to, you know, have some business connections and show off your new clothes and show off your new car and I think, we've, I think we're past a lot of that. I hope we are. But the motives were not pure. They were selfish motives. But I believe God is getting a church ready to be taken out of here. And so he's purifying our motives and getting us out of that selfish world. And then finally, or not finally, but the next one, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Peacemakers. You know the difference between a peacemaker and a Peacekeeper. A peacemaker takes the initiative. Even if they're not in the wrong. You see, the stronger individual always initiates the peace. You know how I know that? Because God did not wait for the earth to get together a committee and say, you know what, we're pretty rotten. We really need a savior. We should probably contact God and see if he's got one. And then, you know, we'll call God and say... God, we're just awful. We need a savior. Could you send someone, please? No. Nobody made that phone call. God initiated the peace. God sent his son. And as a result, God expects us to do the same thing. Become a peacemaker. Don't, become a, don't just be a peacekeeper. Because a peacekeeper tries to cover things up. We'll, we'll just pretend that didn't happen. We'll just, you know, we'll just... And as a result, you end up with these horribly dysfunctional families. Because nobody will tell the truth. Nobody will will face the issues of life. We'll just, oh, i just got to keep the peace. Not as a Christian. Don't keep the peace. Go in there and stir things up. Become a peacemaker. And I'm not talking about, you know, getting in the face of that person at work and saying... You know I've, I've, you know, I've been kind of quiet all this time, but I've got to tell you the truth. You are going to split hell wide open if you don't straighten up. <laughs> not you, Al, in particular. I mean, not you. You know. No, that's not, you're not, well, first of all, you're not merciful. You're not, I mean, you're just not, you've just blown the whole list. But you need to understand that to make peace, you, become, you do what Christ did. He didn't play nice with the, fed, the, the Sadducees. There we go, and the Pharisees. There we go. <laughs> I got to get new teeth. That's all there is to it. The Sadducees and the Pharisees. He didn't make nice with them. He said, "Well, you know, I don't want to rock the boat here. I'm not. You know, I'm trying to play nice. I don't. You know, I just want to be cool. You know, you do what you do, and I'll do what I do, and everything will be good." No. No. caught you. are white sepulchers full of dead men's bones. You're snakes. I don't like you. I don't like what you've done. I don't like what you're doing. And I don't like what you've done uh, to diminish the power and name of my Father. I don't like it. And I'm not going to put up with it. And if I want to heal on the Sabbath, I'll do it. Try to stop me. Now, how do you stop the Son of God from healing? How do you do that? You can't. It's real easy. But he became a peacemaker. It takes courage to do that. It takes you know nerve. And, and it's not easy. But Jesus said, blessed are you, because you will be called sons of God. The Son of God. You'll be the sons of God. Amazing. I've got to keep going here. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Jesus, why did you have to add that? Why did you have to add that? Because, you see, in this list, we start off with salvation. We realize we need salvation. We repent. We are humbled and meeked. The word becomes our life. We have a desire to help the lost. Our motives become pure. We are peacemakers. We become willing to share. And the final thing is we become ready to die. You see, persecution is... There are four things I want to share with you about this. The source of persecution is the enemy. Do not ever, ever believe that God is in somehow brings persecution to your life to test you. That is never true. The enemy is about temptation. Temptation is about failure. The devil is not going to tempt you to see if he can get you to succeed. He wants you to fail. He wants you to mess up. Persecution is an attempt by the enemy... He is the source of it. It's an attempt for you to change your mind and go back to the way it was. It's a temptation. God, if God brings you a test, why do you take a test in school? Why do you take tests? To find out what you learned and to see if you're ready to do what? Go to the next level. How many of you ever had teachers that would give you a test that she knew he or she knew everybody would flunk. You know, I'm going to fail my whole class. I'm so excited. You're messed up. You don't need to be a teacher. you need to be a, a demon. <laughs> because that's what demons do. Try to get people to fail. God brings you a test. There'll be a test at times, to do what? To bring you to the next level. Guess what? He's included a tutor. Holy Spirit's his name. And God has promised, I will never allow you to face a test or a temptation that I will not also give you a way out. God knew this was coming. And so he prepares us. The source is the enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. He's a lion. He's a roaring lion. He's looking to see who he can bring to a place of failure, who he can bring down. And you know the fastest way to be brought down? Try to do this by yourself lions are very smart they don't just like run into a giant herd and jump on top of it they'll wait for one of the weaker ones to get pulled away from the from the herd and then when it looks like you know they're not aware that's when he strikes how many of you are tempted in church other than me church is an easy place to kind of avoid temptation. Amen. The devil doesn't like it in here. He hates it. I mean, we're worshiping, praising God, we're giving our money. He hates all of that. So the devil doesn't come to church. Where will he meet you? He's waiting for you in the car. He's in the parking lot. And then he's going to and he knows where you live. He comes at night. Right? He waits by your computer alone. And then he gives you websites you've never even heard of. And you go, wow, I wonder what that's all about. Ha! The devil is the source of persecution. And if you resist him, he has to go, he will flee. Now, does that mean that you're going to avoid all kinds of problems in your life? And I mean, you know, life is going to be a total, ki- I mean, it's just a bed of roses, it's wonderful. No, the devil hates you. And he will do what he can to, to bring you discouragement and, to, and to cause you problems. And we're going to, tonight we're going to see that the world is in, is in turmoil. Because the light is shining and the people of darkness can't stand it and are trying to extinguish it. And we need to pray for our brothers and sisters. We are still blessed in America. But I want you to understand that it is, it is wrong for some children to bring their Bibles to school. It is wrong in America for some children to bow their heads and pray in school. That's ridiculous, but it's true. It's unfortunate. The enemy has made inroads. When I was growing up in elementary school, we could still still read from the Bible. We had the Ten Commandments, but no more. It's gone. It's been taken out. God help us. God help us. What's the purpose? John 10.10, the thief comes to to steal, kill, and destroy, but the Son of Man has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10. The purpose of persecution is to steal, kill, and destroy. The God's purpose is to give, to provide, to bring life and restoration. These two forces are at work continuously. And the, the thing that amazes me is that our brothers and sisters around the world, and, he, and some even here in the United States... Their faith is so strong, their resolve is so strong, their courage is so strong, that they will stand in the face of death and not yield. Why? Because they've been promised, great is your reward in heaven. What is our response to persecution? Turn to James Chapter 1. How should we respond to this? Well, you find out that there may be some persecution. Or the little boy comes home and says, Mom, I can't bring my Bible to school anymore. And the mom says, Well, I'm going to fix that. So the next morning, she pulls out two AK 47s, a couple of bullet belts, gets the biggest Bible she can find has her son stand behind her, and she marches into the school. My son will bring his Bible to school any time he feels like it, or I'm going to blow this place away. Now, where in the Bible does it tell us to to respond that way when we face a persecution issue? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not not going to work. I mean, that's a one-way ticket in our day and age, a one-way ticket. To jail, never to see the light of day again. But look what James says. He talks about trials and temptation. Consider it pure joy. Oh, come on, James. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Could I skip the perseverance thing? No. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does." You see, our response to persecution is pure joy. I, re- I mean, you know, this is, I, you know, when the Lord said, you know, I want you to talk about this. I said, Lord, I, don't, I can't put my head around this. And you never will because it's not a natural issue. It's a supernatural issue. Let me remind you of something. Your spiritual man cannot get sick. Your spiritual man cannot be killed. Your spiritual man cannot be put in jail. Your spiritual man cannot be defeated unless you let it. And so what the enemy all the enemy has to work with is your physical body. Now I'm in an unfair advantage because I got a lot more here for him to play with than <laughs> is fair. But you see, disease and, and suffering and those kinds of things can affect our physical bodies and we don't like it and it's uncomfortable and we wish it would go away and it's annoying and it's frustrating. And I understand that and I and I've been there and done that. I hate that kind of stuff, and I hate coal. I I'm I know there's going to be a section of hell where everybody's going to have a cold for eternity and they're going to suffer like crazy. And that's unfortunate. But I also know that in heaven, no more colds, no more sinus issues, no, you know, hallelujah. I'm getting to the reward, but it's coming. But I want you to understand that our response in the midst of this, and if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you will read stories in there where there were men and women that were. They were strapped to stakes, about to be burned, and what did they do? They did not scream and yell and say God, 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 God! No, they began to sing hymns. They began to sing and praise the Lord, and it so messed up the minds of the people. Those that were trying to destroy them, they were trying to wipe Christianity out, and every time they killed another martyr, a thousand other people accepted Christ. It became an explosion. Because, you see, it's all about the reward. What did Jesus say? Blessed are you. Blessed. When people begin to insult you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely, when they lie on you, when they do all kinds of ridiculous things for his name. Now, let me clarify that, okay? If you're having problems with people... Maybe you've got a personality problem. It's not that maybe, maybe it's not persecution. It's not religion. It's not because of Jesus in you. It's because you're just weird. That's different. And Jesus clarifies that. Go back to Matthew, look at what he says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That is an extremely important little phrase there. You know, well, people are insulting me all the time. Well, it's not, not because of Jesus, probably. You're just weird or mean or I don't know. Check it out. If it's because of, your, your, it's, if it's because of the light of Christ that shines out of you so brightly that they can't stand it, They will attack you. They want the light turned off. You ever walked into a room with little kids and it's all dark in there and they're messing around with a flashlight and you flip the light on? What happens? They become angelic, right? Instantaneously. They turn into little angels. What are you doing in there? Nothing. (laughs) You pull away the blanket and the flashlight and they've got this... Rocket ship that they're going to be flying through the roof of your house any moment, or they who knows what? Well, they? You know they've got a roulette wheel, and an entire little Las Vegas setup in there. And <laughs> what in the world? Why? Why did they have the? Why did they have the lights turned out? Why did they have it dark in there? Because their deeds were evil. Oh. But you see, if the light of Christ is shining out of your life, because you have accepted Christ, you're no longer poor in spirit. Because you have... Because you have repented, because you have been meeked by the power of God, because you hunger and thirst for righteousness, because you, you are merciful... You're a pure in heart. You're a peacemaker. If those qualities are just coming out of your life on a daily basis, people will become uncomfortable around you, especially if their deeds are evil. And that's that's when you begin to pray for them. You pray for them. You begin to pray for them verse 12, Jesus again says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. How many of you understand that this is not the end of the trip? We're not at the end of the road here. We have a reward waiting for us, and I'm looking forward to that. I want to close with a quick story about an individual that I believed understood what it meant, and how to deal with persecution. He understood the source of it. He understood the purpose behind it. He understood what his response needed to be, and he realized a good portion of the reward even before he left the planet. This comes from a book called The Calling by Reverend uh, Andrew, who used to be a Bible smuggler. And this is Operation Pearl that is referred to here in this story. This is, comes from many years ago. Approximately ten thousand Bibles were to be shipped into China, and Brother Pastor John was going to be one of the men. His church was going to be able to hand, was going to handle some of these. And the story picks up. He had been arrested. The officials had pretty much decided ahead of time that John was one of Pearl's primary organizers. He was a prominent leader of the house churches, the group of Bibles were destined for, and he lived in Swatow, the location of the delivery. Since their minds were already made up, John did not try to convince them otherwise. As the interrogators pursued him for names, or pressured him for names of others involved in Pearl, he remained silent. I had gone through all this before during the Cultural Revolution, he recalled, so I knew how to handle this kind of interrogation. You just shut your eyes and pray. His reaction only infuriated the investigators all the more. In desperation, they resorted to an especially cruel means of torture. Taking John into the prison courtyard, they tied his hands behind his back and made him stand on a wooden box about four feet high and less than a foot wide. About the size of this, maybe a little bit higher, this stool. Then they placed a noose around his neck, attached a rope to a wooden beam above his head, we have given up on you, the officials said. The moment you sway violently, your legs collapse with fatigue, you will hang yourself. It's just penalty for being stubborn. And then they left. Two policemen were assigned to watch Pastor John's last moments. John looked down at them from his shaky perch, and they hardly glanced at him, choosing instead to play some gambling games. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? I felt like Christ on the cross, He recalled. He must have felt the same way when he looked down and saw the soldiers casting lots for his clothes. John felt a surge of power in his body He began to tell his guards about Jesus. His life, his death for our sins, his resurrection. Because of what Jesus had done, John said, he was not afraid of death. He understood the reward. Old man, one of the guards, said, When I reach 70 and look as unhealthy as you, I won't be afraid of death either. Soon the hours became days. Think about it. John's body cried out for sleep, but he knew what would happen if he drifted off. His legs developed ferocious cramps, and in shaking them, he nearly hung himself. As the blood collected in his legs, they swelled to twice their normal size until numbness set in. His only relief was the rain. He stuck out his thickened tongue to gain a few drops of moisture. It also seemed to wash his filthy body. Five days passed, then six, seven Still, John had not toppled over and died. Word was getting around the prison no man could survive that long. He had been standing all that time, no food, almost no water, and no rest. Ten days passed. Eleven, twelve, this is unbelievable. John was delirious beyond feeling. On the thirteenth day, the sky blackened and a huge thunderstorm swept in. As he stood there pelted by the rain, his resistance finally gave out. A sudden flash of lightning and a simultaneous clap of thunder caused him to pitch forward. The noose tightened. The next thing he knew, John heard himself coughing. He was no longer standing, lying on the floor. His legs had been propped up on a chair. He could feel the blood flowing back into his upper body. The pain was horrible. Someone was giving him water, then shaking him, trying to revive him. Barely able to open his eyes, he realized it was the two policemen. Please, they shouted, don't die, please. John managed to clear his brain for a moment. Why, was all he could say. Because we want to know your Savior, Jesus, they replied, trembling. But why, he asked. Because he saved you, they exclaimed. A bolt of lightning cut the rope above your head just as you fell. Don't tell me that's coincidence. They believed, and as the story spread, many others inside and outside the prison were profoundly affected by John's faith. Not knowing what else to do, the prison officials let him go. (sighs) Man, Someone would say, well, why why didn't God just send that thunderstorm like day one and, you know, just take care of it? See, ours is not to question God, but to trust him. And to be ever thankful for every moment of life that he has given us. And when you face persecution, some of us might. Maybe all of us will. Who knows? I don't know what's going on in this country. A lot of strange things are happening around the world. But I want you to understand something. You realize the source of it and you resist it as best you can. And you understand the purpose of it. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. There's not, you know, persecution has nothing of real value in it. It's an attempt to bring you down. But if you'll stand firm in the midst of it, if you'll persevere, the Holy Spirit will use that to make you more and more mature, more powerful, stronger, more courageous. And people will begin to ask you, Why do you believe in Christ? And then your door of opportunity is open. Two Chinese guards, communists, atheists, wanted to know how to get saved. And I love John's answer well, why? (laughs) We want to know your Savior. He saved your life, it was a miracle. You might you're a miracle waiting to happen in somebody's life. Your response is to count it pure joy. That is not a natural response. That's supernatural. That's God. That's 1000% God. That when you're in a tough situation, a difficult situation, you just say, "Lord, I rejoice." Not for it. That's crazy. In it. You don't, we don't rejoice for hard things coming our way. We rejoice in them. Because then God comes down and he makes a way of escape. He sends the lightning bolt. Man, I, wouldn't that have been great to be in heaven when that happened? God says, all right, angels, come here. John, this 13, that's plenty. That's way plenty. Give me one of those lightning bolts. Watch this shot. <laughs> Cuts the rope. He falls down and he's picked up and began to minister. they minister to him. I mean, there are, gonna, there are some videos I want to see in heaven. I can hardly wait. I want to see how God did that. How did you do that? And John's reward. You read the rest of the story. He distributes 10,000 Bibles to, the, to hungry Christians in China, in his area, in his village. Why? Because they were hungry and thirsting for righteousness. They'd gone through the process. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, I thank you just for the truth of your word. I thank you, God, for the opportunity, but, Father, not the circumstances of the opportunity. Father, I don't want... None of us want Pastor Daryl to have to deal with sickness, and we pray again for his divine healing. Lord, thank you for a good report from Pastor Merrill Sr., who's in India, arrived safely, and was preaching there already. Thank you, Lord, that you'll minister to him and through him as he's there in India. Father, tonight, as we come back together, I ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. For, Father, there are those around the world that have that have suffered. I multiplied thousands that have given their life for Christ. Multiplied thousands, Lord, of those that are just blind and they've been lied to by the enemy. And Father, I pray that light would come. Father, help us to be ever grateful that we live in a country where we are still free to come to worship together, free to read our word, free to live our lives But, Father, we just were mindful of with that kind of freedom comes responsibility. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to intercede for our brothers and sisters around the world. Pray for them. Father, give them courage and strength. And, Father, I pray and as the day will come for all of us when we leave this place to receive our eternal reward. Thank you, God, that we have that hope that burns within us that we can rise up in the midst of struggle and and issues and know that we know that we know that our name is in the Lamb's book of life and we take courage in that. And, Father, if we need to respond in silence, we'll respond in silence. If we need to speak forth, we'll speak forth. But, Father, we will yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We will be meet under under the hand of Almighty God And Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak to us and through us in every circumstance of life. And I thank you, God, for the opportunities that lay before us to spread your word to a dying world in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Just a quick reminder again of the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings thing. Where else can you go to a sports bar and have them donate money to your youth group? How weird is that? It all works. Amen? Tonight at 6 o'clock, if you're available, come back. Uh, We'll be watching the simulcast and uh, have opportunity, I'm sure, to, to intercede and pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Don't forget about them. Amen? Amen. See ya. Have a great day.